1: Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit com slash wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs. Now on digital. That's com slash wondery. On September 14th,
0: 1986, California's hottest new band made its debut – It wasn't at the Fillmore in San Francisco or the Troubadour in LA, and the band wasn't playing heavy metal or rock and roll. Instead, it was a group of tiny claymation raisins playing a Motown hit in a national ad campaign. They were the California Raisins. This commercial was the most popular TV ad in 1987 and 1988. And a lot of people, including many of our listeners, still remember it really well. It was like a Mr. Potato Head, but a raisin. Like, it was like the whole body was just the head with arms and legs waving about. And some of them played instruments, maybe?
1: All dancing in the real world, but in their little clay... Situation.
0: They were disproportionately raisinly huge and their arms were like small and they had little legs. The Dancing Raisins were so popular, they took on a life of their own outside of the ad.
1: They even have little figurines. I remember seeing them in my toy chest. They were part of some
2: Happy Meal uh, kind of thing.
0: The Dancing Raisins were invited to light the national Christmas tree at the White House. They recorded an album that went gold within weeks of its release. They were an incredible Motown band. I I thought they were a real band uh, and really did not connect them to, like, raisins or, like, the idea of dried grapes until well into my adulthood. A warship, the USS Pyro, even asked permission to sail with a California Dancing Raisins flag flying high above. (laughs) Oh, mateys.
1: I also remember in the 80s, there was a California Raisin Saturday morning cartoons. I loved the California raisins so much that I went as one for trick or treating when I was about eight or nine years old.
0: But while the ad made the dancing California raisins cool, did it do anything for actual California raisins? For all that I remember of the California raisins as characters and the songs and the Happy Meal toys and all that stuff, it didn't work. I didn't eat raisins. I don't like raisins. From Business Insider, this is brought to you by
1: Brands You Can Trust
0: Brands You Know, Stories You Don't. I'm Charlie Herman. The California Dancing Raisins ad has been called one of the best of all time. Paul McCartney requested his own copy on VHS. Michael Jackson asked to be featured in a sequel. But in 1994, the Raisin Industry abruptly pulled the plug on the ad and its spin-offs, and still debates whether or not it was successful. Today, the story of the California Dancing Raisins, the community that created them, and the questions they left in their wake. Stay with us.
3: Sounds great, doesn't it?
0: A raisin by any other name would be a dried grape. I mean, really, most of us do not give raisins a whole lot of attention. They're just everywhere. They're in our bagels, in our cereals, and of course, in kids' lunch boxes. They're just a staple. But that little piece of fruit is anything but dry and boring. And that is something that producer Sarah Wyman has made very clear to me in the weeks and months since she started digging into the origins of the California dancing raisins ad. Hey, Sarah.
1: Charlie, I have to start with a confession. What's that? I, before I started working on this story, did not even eat raisins. And now they are all I can think about.
0: <laughs> so where did this journey for you begin?
1: So a couple of months ago, I read this New York Times article that sort of started it all for me. It turns out the raisin industry is actually a very contentious industry. There's this long history of lawsuits going back and forth between different members. And then on top of that, this article also made mention of a raisin mafia, along with allegations of death threats. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that did not go over well within the industry. But actually, to me, one of the most interesting parts of that story was this one little section about the California Dancing Raisins ads from the 80s.
0: I mean, I remember those really well. I grew up in California and it just felt like they were everywhere.
1: I was not even alive when most of those ads aired, and I had the same experience. Like, growing up, we had a little figurine in our dollhouse, and then my parents dressed up as them one year for Halloween.
0: Wow, they were big fans.
1: Yeah, I'm still looking for the pictures. (laughs) But anyway, there's this one line in the story that implies that even though this ad went on to be super successful, even though you and I still remember it all these years later, it may have precipitated some really huge divisions within the raisin industry.
0: So what did happen?
1: That is exactly what I wanted to find out. How could this ad, that on its surface seems like an unmitigated success, also have caused all of these other problems? So to find out, I went to Fresno. Fresno is a dusty, medium-sized city in the middle of California's Central Valley. And I didn't know this, but nearly 100% of the raisins the U.S. produces come from within a 60-mile radius of the city. And the U.S., by the way, is the second largest raisin producer in the entire world. So Fresno is like Eden for raisins.
4: I mean, you can't just leave any field barren here because something's going to (laughs) grow. That's just the way it is.
1: Matthew Malcolm was one of the first raisin industry members to return my calls. He's a reporter covering raisins and grapes for one of the trade magazines his family publishes. And he made it very clear to me right off the bat that no one, him included, would be interested in talking about the New York Times story I'd read. But he told me something else, too. Something he says a lot of reporters like me, who fly into Fresno from the big city to cover the drama, often miss.
4: We're all families here. And so everybody's really close. Everybody knows each other. I mean, a lot of them are related to each other. They marry in and... And so they're they're very tight.
1: And that big family with lots of opinions is where some of that drama comes from. Matthew has observed his fair share of contentious industry meetings. And on top of everything else, he says there's one subject of conversation that just won't drop.
4: At every industry meeting I go to, it seems like some raisin growers asking, are you ever going to bring the raisin, dancing raisins back? And the answer is usually... You know, we, we don't know, but probably not. They all want to have them back. I don't know if it's because they just love the dancing raisins, or more like, I think what more than that is they just want a powerful campaign, you know, backing up California raisins. And that takes unity.
1: Unity has been a long-standing challenge for the raisin industry. Still, one thing nearly everyone does agree on is the mass appeal of the dancing raisins. Almost across the board, everyone I spoke to had good things to say about the ad itself. But back in 1994, almost 10 years after the first dancing raisin ad aired, that good feeling was nowhere to be found. The dancing raisins got caught in the crossfire of a heated debate within the industry. And ultimately, when everyone failed to agree... The raisins took the fall. To make sense of that story, to understand where the dancing raisins came from and how they disappeared, everyone told me I needed to talk to this guy.
5: I've been born, raised here, lived here my whole life.
1: Kalem Barsarian has worked in the raisin industry for more than fifty years.
5: Grape and raisin grower, CEO of the Wine Bargaining Association for five years. CEO of the
1: RBA His dad started farming years. and processing raisins in Fresno back in the 1920s. And since then, Calum has bounced around pretty much every corner of this industry.
5: processor for 30 years at different facilities.
1: He just turned 82, and for the last few decades, he's been privy to almost every dispute in raisin land, and lots of them have landed on his desk. He's now on his second round of leading the Raisin Bargaining Association. And I told him, all of this sounds absolutely exhausting. exhausting. <laughs> I'm still here.
5: Keeps you in shape.
1: <laughs> the California raisin industry is complicated. First of all, you've got that family dynamic.
5: Heard it through the grapevine. Like I tell everybody some fictitious story about, you know, Chicken Little, right now to you, it, it, they might know it in Madeira by two o'clock.
1: Then you've got nature to think about. Raisin farmers rely on good weather and conditions to grow their product. And for better or worse, they're also in it together on that front.
5: Vine doesn't know it belongs to, just knows that it needs water, needs to be pruned, needs to be fertilized, it needs to be babied. I, I treat my vines as if they were my children.
1: That's another thing that makes the raisin industry different. While the vines may feel special to their growers, like children, to you and me, not so much. Raisins are not like cell phone brands with unique features and better Wi-Fi connectivity and a sleeker feel than their competitors. Most of the time when we buy raisins, we have no idea where they came from.
5: Because a raisin is a raisin is a raisin, okay? How do you distinguish your raisin bagel from my field to your field. You go, right?
1: All those different factors combined add up to the final and most important challenge for the raisin industry. In order to be successful, this big family has to work together. So there's an alphabet soup of different boards and agencies and committees to help make that happen. They have two big jobs. First, they provide tools the industry can use to regulate the raisin market. They help out with keeping prices stable and have an eye on supply and demand. And then job number two, they work on public relations and marketing for the entire raisin industry. Of all the acronyms, there's just one you need to remember, CalRAB, the California Raisin Advisory Board. It would go on to produce the Dancing Raisins ad, but before that, in the 1970s and early 80s, it was busy churning out other commercials. We know raisins are natural, but kids just know what they like. So, give them raisins and call them nature's candy.
6: Raisins from California, nature's candy.
1: CalRab came up with and promoted new recipes that used raisins. It went to bakery conventions. It pitched raisin stories to food magazines and newspapers. And it paid for all that buzz with an assessment or a tax on the raisin industry. It taxed both growers and packers. The growers are the ones with the vines. They grow grapes in the beautiful California sunshine and turn them into raisins.
5: Where the packer is the middleman buying it from him, processing it, selling it, shipping it into trade, and hoping to make a profit.
1: This is what raisin packing sounds like. Packers sort the raisins by size, rinse out sand and dirt, control for quality, and pack them all up in boxes. In 1985, both halves of the industry were funding CalRAB. So growers and packers paid a tax on every ton of raisins they produced. And the industry was coming out of a big slump at the time. A series of weather-related disasters during the 70s had thrown the price of raisins completely out of whack. Demand was down. And if the California raisin family wanted to avert economic disaster, it needed to band together and find a way to sell more raisins. So CalRab proposed this big advertising campaign with national TV commercials. It had about $5 million to spend, which in ad money is not a lot.
7: It wasn't back then, and it still isn't now.
1: This is Seth Werner. In 1985, he was a copywriter at the ad agency Foot Cone and Belding.
7: My job, I called the jack-of-all-trade.
1: His boss had him working mostly on trade ads, stuff for industry publications, not the kind of campaigns you or I would ever see in a commercial
7: or on a billboard. So I just went to him one day and said, can I just have something of my own to work on? Can you just give me an assignment? I don't care how small or whatever, but something that's not part of what you are doing.
1: Seth's boss handed him the California Raisins account. But brief, the goal of the campaign was to come up with a commercial that would make customers see raisins differently.
7: Our whole objective was to make them cool. And and most of the people spending millions of dollars don't wanna know there are two guys sitting in a back room trying to make each other laugh and come up with this stuff. But that is what we did.
1: Seth remembers going to a friend's apartment the night he got the account. He wasn't worried about making the most of this one shot and impressing his boss. He just wanted to make an ad he thought was cool. So when his friends were like,
7: What are you going to do with that? How are you going to do something with California Raisins? I thought, oh, I'll probably do something stupid, like have some Raisins dancing to I Heard It Through The Grapevine. And then I thought, oh, you know, maybe that's not so stupid.
0: After the break, $5 million does go a long way. The Dancing California Raisins conga line their way to record deals and awards, and they split the raisin industry right down the middle.
1: CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you.
6: the one song
0: I remember them doing all the time was I heard it through the grapevine to the point where I was a kid and I hadn't I don't think it really clicked to me that that was like a real song like I thought that that was a California raisin song and then I remember hearing like the Marvin Gaye version of that and I was like why is he doing a California raisin song and then it clicked on me that I was like oh right this is a real song like um not a California raisin song we're back Seth Warner, the young copywriter, newly in charge of the California Raisins account, had a concept. Raisins dressed up in white gloves and sunglasses, dancing to Marvin Gaye's I Heard It Through the Grapevine. But first, he had to get approval from the raisin growers and packers who were paying for it. Here's Sarah again.
1: One morning in 1986, Seth and the team at Footcone and Belding piled into a car and headed to Fresno.
7: We went there because we had to meet the growers. And so we would drive, what was in an hour, hour, 90 minutes, to Fresno from San Francisco. And the account people were all nervous on the way there, like, what are we going to do?
1: They pulled up to a business park, hopped out of the car, and marched into a conference room. Kalen Barsarian, along with around 40 other raisin growers, packers, and industry members, was in that room. They all watched as Seth walked in and took the floor.
5: I'll never forget He was a handsome guy, had white shoes on, no socks, earring in this ear. He had the ghetto blaster up on his shoulders, and he turns it on and it's herded through the grapevine.
7: I basically had to put on white gloves and stand in front of them all and dance to to show the campaign.
5: But then he's going through these storyboards and showing how it would look. Well, Al is a bib overall grower going to understand what the hell this guy is saying.
1: Remember, these were Fresno guys, not big city admin. And Seth, Seth was dancing all by himself in front of the group without socks on.
7: Uh, Yeah, it was probably a little bit of a shock, I guess.
1: (laughs) Clyde E. Neff, who was CalRAB's manager at the time, wrote about Seth's performance and the board's reaction in his book, The Fruits of Their Labors. He writes... The 30 seconds of this commercial seemed like an eternity. Deathly silence filled the boardroom for what was probably only another 30 seconds, but seemed much longer. A board member said, Seth, can you do it again? The tape was rewound, and the presentation repeated.
5: How can anybody sit on a board who spends their whole day on a tractor, okay, that knows everything about what needs to be done for his vines, and he's going to come in and know what, an advertising executive knows, I don't know.
1: Calum says the vote on whether or not to approve the ad was extremely close. Almost all the growers in the room were against it, and they had good reasons to be. Claymation was an unproven concept. This was probably the first time it had been used in a commercial. And the ad was fun, but to quote the fruits of their labors again, it made no effort to sell raisins. It was merely entertaining just to make the ad would cost $300,000. And if no one liked it, the raisin industry could not get that money back. But despite it all, by a very narrow margin, more than half the room voted to greenlight the ad. The dancing California raisins were a go. Now, somebody just had to turn Seth Warner's concept into a real commercial.
2: The first step in this was We need somebody to create some raisins that are going to dance around.
1: Michael Brunsfeld was the commercial animation director at a company called Colossal Pictures, which had been contracted to do a mock-up of the ad. Colossal issued a challenge to some of its animators.
2: How can you make a raisin look appealing? Um, You know, what kind of legs does he have so that he could do a dance appropriately? Does he have oversized shoes? You know, what do they look like?
1: The winning concept was a raisin with big eyes, a defined nose, and a wide mouth, perfect for lip syncing. The face took up most of the raisin's body.
2: And then there was, you know, little wrinkles here and there, but the more you emphasize that, the more it looks, you know, kind of like a weird prune.
7: (laughs) It did not
2: look cool.
1: Again, Seth Werner, sockless ad copywriter.
7: We want sunglasses on them. I I want to put them in Converse sneakers, but untie the laces. And they got to look hip, basically.
1: The ad agency hired a guy named Will Vinton and his team to take the animated mock-up of the ad and turn it into clay animation or claymation.
7: They'd make these little clay models of the, the raisins. And I remember sitting there with one of the animators and he'd make an expression in a mirror and then he'd make that expression on the face of the raisin. They they used themselves to make, the, make them human.
1: This process, as you can imagine, took a while. Vinton and his team spent weeks making about six different figurines and a set made out of clay.
7: A frame was one snapshot. So they'd pose them, they'd take a picture of that, then they'd repose them slightly in a slightly different pose, take a picture of that, 30 of those, and you have a second of the commercial.
1: It was a 30-second commercial.
7: We created this huge conga line that came out of a box of raisins and danced on the, the coffee table while this... Uh, husband and wife or boyfriend and girlfriend were watching a movie and they were unaware that all this was happening in its own little world on the table below them. California Raisins from the California Vineyards. And at the end, the announcer says, Sounds great, doesn't it? I remember when I went to college, people would say there are three or four ways you can do an advertisement. You can have a talking head, you can have a situation... Uh, You know, there were like formulas on how to do this, and this broke the mold, There was this was not a formula.
1: The ad was a hit. Today, it would go viral, but back in 1986, going viral was not yet a thing. If you saw a commercial you liked, you couldn't look it up on YouTube and send a link to a friend, unless you just happened to have a VCR set up and recording at the exact moment the ad aired.
7: You just had to wait and hopefully see it on TV again, on some show you were watching and not know when that was coming. And because we didn't have a very big media budget, it wasn't on that often. So you really had to be in the right place at the right time just to see it. And then when you saw it, you weren't quite sure what that was, but it was different than everything else you saw. And people started just saying, what was that?
1: Those people started calling CalRAB and the ad agency, asking when and where the ad would play again. Seth and his colleagues were getting fan mail forwarded to them from viewers, TV stations, and other advertising executives.
7: Dear NBC, after weeks of trying to find out who to congratulate on a recent national ad, I came up with nothing. Today during Ryan's Hope, I saw the cutest commercial. I believe it, it might be Dear a Judy. Service generally when you hear from me a problem is involved, not this time however. According credit to the Grapevine theme is fabulous. This commercial has wit, imagination, And it was good enough that I went and bought a box of California-grown raisins.
1: Seth has a whole scrapbook of these letters. They go on for pages and pages, carefully typed out on letterhead and handwritten in beautiful cursive. But there's one letter that really stands out.
7: Uh, Okay, this is from the Fitzgerald Hartley Company. November 12th, 1986. You
1: guys, it's from Paul McCartney's manager.
7: Our thanks again on behalf of Paul McCartney. If there's anything we can do for you, please give me a call.
1: Paul McCartney. He wrote to Footcone and Belding specifically requesting a VHS copy of the ad so he could watch it whenever he wanted to. (laughs) I mean, how did you react when you found out about that?
7: Well, you know, we were at this point, we were like, well, what else is new? These little guys took over everybody's hearts and minds. Did it but feel cool? We still cool, thought but... it was cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah
1: okay. <laughs> the raisin industry quickly followed up with more ads: the California raisins dancing on a construction worker's sandwich.
5: Sounds better than what
1: I got. <laughs> on a kitchen counter. <laughs> Honey, are you playing with your food again? Oh. Before long, a claymation Ray Charles joined the bunch. Oh, I
6: heard it's going to break
1: Raisins danced around on the lid of his grand piano while he belts out the band's catchphrase.
0: (laughs) That's sweet.
1: One of the people who saw that ad was Michael Jackson. He was so into it that he personally got in touch with Will Vinton, the Claymation animator, and asked to be included in his own commercial.
7: He volunteered and he said, I won't be paid. I just want to be a raisin. I have one thing I need to ask, them. I will not talk to anybody from the advertising agency and I will not talk to any clients. I will only talk to you, Will.
1: Michael Jackson sent Will Vinton a video with instructions for how he wanted the claymation to look. Down to the motions and facial expressions the backup raisins were making in the background of the shot. And apparently making a clay king of pop was a whole nother can of worms. Will Vinton told Seth the hardest part was getting the nose right. He said,
7: He would not approve the nose that I put on the raisin. No matter what I did, he wouldn't approve of it. And so Will said, well, finally, I took Janet's nose and put that on the raisin and he bought it like that.
1: Back in Fresno, the raisin growers and packers watched with amazement as the dancing raisins turned into superstars. And since they were already touring the country, at least on TV screens, there was only one logical next step.
3: Well, how about doing an album?
1: Ross Venelli is a music producer. He's written songs for bands like Earth, Wind & Fire, The Gap Band, and more recently, he's done covers with Kanye West. Back in 1987, the president of Priority Records got in touch with Ross, and he asked him to produce an album of Motown hits sung by the California Raisins.
3: I said, I think it's a great idea. I said, the only thing I would do, because at that time, you know, you had things like the Chipmunks and all these different things for kids.
1: That's Alvin and the Chipmunks, for those of you who aren't fans.
3: I said, I'm going to do it where it feels authentic. And this is what I told him. And so he says, okay, fine, we'll do that.
1: Buddy Miles, who'd been the drummer for Band of Gypsies with Jimi Hendrix, flew to California to record the vocals in Ross's studio.
3: And I set it up in the studio exactly how like an old Motown session would be. With the musicians all in a room, live, everything. I mean, we didn't do anything short of that.
1: Within a month of its release, the album went gold. It had sold more than 500,000 copies.
3: I think within four or five months it was platinum. And then they called me and they said, well, you know what? It's it's platinum in, uh, in Canada, too. I said, it's in Canada? Really?
1: Did it feel at any point while you were working on this album like you were making an ad for Raisins?
3: Oh, no. It, it, to, to me, it, at one point, it kind of went beyond that.
2: Well, that's the problem with the advertising. It lost message. And it became more entertainment than strategy.
1: Barry Crable became president of Sunmade Raisins in February of 1986, one year before Ross Finelli produced his album, and right as the California Raisins were in liftoff. He watched the original commercial spin off into more and more distant territory. There were California Raisins lunchboxes. Then Hardee's started handing out plastic raisins figurines with cinnamon and raisin biscuits. Announcing
2: the big, plush, bendable California Raisins at Hardee's.
1: There were California Raisins Halloween costumes. They were bestsellers in 1988.
2: It actually got to the point where the Dancing Raisins had their own television show. I mean, you can imagine that.
7: You might have heard about us through the old grapevine.
1: And the raisins weren't even close to being done yet. They starred in two Claymation TV shorts and a Christmas special that won an Emmy.
6: It's those sensational California raisins in the Emmy-winning Claymation Christmas celebration next.
1: But even as the Dancing Raisins scored these victories, back in Fresno, things were heating up. Little disagreements surfaced. Like, who was allowed to borrow the actual Dancing Raisin costume Calrab had? What about Michael Jackson and what he was contributing? Like, when Ray Charles had starred in his ad, he agreed to do a cross-country public relations tour, promoting the health and goodness of California Raisins. But Michael Jackson, well, he was not about that.
2: No, what we got was him for free, but he wasn't going to do anything. He wasn't going to eat a raisin, he wasn't going to attend an event, he wasn't going to do... I said, okay, that's one piece of the marketing puzzle, just one piece. What's the whole campaign? What's the message? How is that better than Ray Charles?
1: Between 1986 and 1992, the Dancing Raisins raked in more than $7 million in licensing fees. But as that money flowed back into CalRab's coffers, the disagreements became more serious. The success of the Dancing Raisins exposed fractures in the industry, which had been forming just under the surface for decades. And as that rift widened, the Raisins fell right through it.
0: That's after the break.
3: I loved those
2: commercials as a kid. They were so cool.
3: And I guess subliminally it probably worked
4: because I do remember eating raisins as a snack.
1: They just made raisins and dried fruit in general seem really really hip. Definitely didn't make me any more of a fan of raisins.
0: Like obviously they're raisins, but it just didn't occur to me that like this was a tool to get you to eat what you see in boxes of raisins. We're back. Seth Werner and CalRab, the agency responsible for hyping up California raisins, they had delivered a hit. Those California raisins weren't just in California anymore. They were all over the country, on mugs and lunchboxes and t-shirts. But that's not where the story ends. Sarah tells us what happened next.
1: In 1994, a group of raisin packers voted to shut down CalRab. And when it went down, so did the dancing California raisins. The band broke up. The raisin packers didn't reach this decision because anyone had anything against the ad, or because licensing fees had stopped rolling in, or even because raisin sales were down. In fact, the industry was on an upswing. But that wasn't the story around town. Some people were saying that they weren't getting a big enough slice of the dancing raisin's pie. You know how families can be about money. And the California raisin industry is, after all, a big family. So just like at Thanksgiving dinner, while Calrab tried to calm everyone down and broke her peace from the head of the table, squabbling Raisin Packers erred old grudges and argued about who was and who was not getting their fair share of the cash. And by the end of the night, all anyone could agree on was that one of the siblings was getting a bigger cut than everyone else. Sunmaid had always been the golden child, and now they were making off with the family fortune.
2: There's always been a... If it's good for Sunmaid, it's got to be bad for them. Or if it's bad for Sunmaid, it's got to be good for them.
1: Barry Kreeble was president of Sunmaid at the time. And even in the 1990s, SunMade was like the Kleenex of the raisin industry. You asked someone to name a raisin brand and they would say SunMade. There were some other big names like Dole and Del Monte, but they didn't just sell raisins. And because they were big companies, not headquartered in the Fresno Circle, they were not at the table and participating in all of this back and forth. And that might be part of why some raisin packers felt like this all boiled down to it's us versus Sunmade.
2: So the bottom line was you didn't have industry consensus.
1: Let me explain. Almost all the packers resented SunMade, but not all for the same reasons. Some had small brands that competed with SunMade, and because SunMade was so much bigger, the Kleenex of raisins, they suspected that brand was getting a bigger share of the sales that had trickled down from the ad. But an even bigger faction of raisin packers did not have their own name brands. They sold most of their raisins in bulk to ingredient customers, like cereal brands or bakeries. And they were hearing from those ingredient customers that they had an issue with the ads.
2: Some large customers felt they were paying for
1: it. Big ingredient customers could actually look up in state records how much money per ton raisin packers were paying CalRAB. You do the math on how many tons of raisins you're buying from them and bam, you can see exactly how much of the total cost is going towards California Raisin Ads.
2: If you're one of the largest ingredient buyers for bread or cereal or something, then really you're paying for it, right? It's a tax.
1: And that tax is paying for a campaign that's not even advertising your product. Barry says the CalRAB board tried brainstorming ways to include other raisin products, like trail mix or raisin bagels in the commercials.
2: And then we'd have arguments about whether, you know, you could ever have somebody eat a raisin. I mean, now that you've personified them.
1: For the Packers, who did have their own brands and worried Sunmaid was running away with raisin sales, there was another issue. CalRab and the commercials it paid for represented the entire industry, which meant packers couldn't slap a dancing raisin on their packaging or use the characters in ads unless they got their idea approved by the board. Lots of brands tested the limits of this rule, including Sunmaid.
2: I got permission from the manager to create a claymation ad where I had the dancing raisin singing to the Sunmaid girl. My
3: girl.
2: Sunmaid, America's favorite race. My girl. Yeah, the marketing guys at Del Monte filed a complaint with the Department of Food and Agriculture over it.
1: In the end, the ad went to air. But of course, that wasn't really the end of it, because the smaller packers still thought SunMade had an unfair advantage.
5: Once we started the dancing raisins, people were going to the stores asking for dancing raisin raisins. And there weren't any.
1: Kalen Barsarian, raisin industry veteran again.
5: Couldn't find it. They weren't in the shelf. okay?
1: But you know who was on that shelf? Sunmade. Unlike the smaller brands in the industry, it could afford to pay for that space. And since there wasn't a dancing raisin brand in the store, small packers worried Sunmade was getting all the business.
5: We're not getting our fair share of it. You're making us put up thirty-two fifty for generic advertising, and and Sunmaid's getting the benefit of it, which wasn't true, wasn't true, okay. But there was enough uh, leadership to sway the ones that weren't smart enough to realize what a good program it was.
1: When the Dancing Raisins ad stopped airing, Sunmaid's share of direct raisin sales, like in boxes on grocery store shelves, actually increased. That could mean that while the ad was running, more customers were buying store-brand raisins instead of Sunmaid raisins. And the store-brand raisins were being supplied by those other California raisin packers. But Barry Kreeble says at that point, the actual facts about who was benefiting here had stopped mattering. Because Packers had already made up their minds about who they thought was getting the better end of the deal.
2: they got to have consensus. Right or wrong, it depends on where the votes are. And if you don't have a consensus, it doesn't matter.
1: But by 1994, the Packers had reached a consensus. They were tired of paying into a shared piggy bank for the greater good. Or, as they saw it, for Sunmate's good.
2: And the Packers got pissed at Barry and killed the program. They file the petition and that's it, you're over. Checkmate, done. That's what happened. I was in the room when it got killed. There was 19
5: of us at Sunnyside Country Club sitting in a circle in the main dining room and we all voted. I voted to kill it too.
1: Caleb was voting on behalf of the packer he worked for. He says if it had just been up to him, he would not have ended Calrab and therefore the Dancing Raisins.
5: And this point, even though I had to vote to kill it, I side on the other side where I helped put that program together and was successful for 10 years. And then we threw the baby out with the bathwater.
1: That's simple. Even now, decades later, when the dust has settled, one thing is still a question. Was the Dancing Raisins ad a success? From a pop culture standpoint, absolutely. People all over the world have heard of the dancing raisins. But in terms of its impact on the industry, it depends on who you ask. Caitlin Barsarian will tell you the ad made the raisin industry money, and he will pull out a calculator to prove it. Five
5: years later, one, two, three, four, five. 350 versus 244, got 100,000 tons. I don't need to prove it anything to anybody. Hey, there it is. Got 100,000 tons. More sales than you would have if you didn't
2: do this.
1: But on the other side of the debate, if you ask Barry Kreeble, he'll tell you it is much more complicated than that.
2: The simplest way to answer that is how do you define success, right? Is it that people remember it? Yeah, it's very successful in that sense. Did it drive up the price of raisins? No, not really. Because that's a whole market supply and demand on both a national and international basis.
1: Almost as soon as it disbanded CalRAB, the raisin industry got to work developing another agency to take its place. And in 1998, wait for it, another acronym, the CRMB, California Raisin Marketing Board, took over as the new hype machine for California raisins. Harry Overly became the new president of Sunmaid in 2017. And he says even though the Dancing Raisins are long gone, he and the rest of the industry are still dealing with the fallout.
4: I know for a fact that there is animosity that still exists uh, within the industry of what happened back then. But I also take the approach of that was, you know, 30 years ago. So I think it's time that we look forward <laughs> because the industry is in a very drastically different place than it was uh, back then.
1: But in some ways, it may be in the same place as it was in the 80s. It's hurting from some bad weather trends. It's being threatened by growing raisin production in other countries. These days, some growers are abandoning ship entirely, ripping out their vineyards and planting almonds instead. And on top of that, there have been many, many more lawsuits. There's also some good news, though. Earlier this year, the CRMB, which did not return my request for comment, hired a brand new vice president of marketing. The industry is in talks about a new campaign to promote California raisins. So are the California raisins coming back, do you think? The dancing California raisins?
4: Well, there's, there's definitely some discussion about that, I mean, in its infancy right now.
1: Lots of details would have to be worked out first. How would the assessments be collected? Would everyone contribute to the cost of an ad campaign? Logistics aside, there is a hint of the dancing raisins magic in the air again. Almost like you can hear the band warming up, I heard it through the grapevine in the distance. Everyone is hungering for unity again. They just have to find something to unify around. So there's hope.
4: There's definitely hope. Yeah, I mean, the the good news is the industry... Uh, is at a point where people are working together more than they have historically, at least in the past 20 years or so. Obviously, raisin growers and packers, they compete with each other.
1: This is Matthew Malcolm again. Remember, he reports on the raisin industry.
4: You know, we'd have to work together because we, we're competing against great forces worldwide for raisin production. And, and maybe some people are pessimistic about about it. I, I don't know. Maybe people are tired of of just the lack of unity, but I think we're heading in in the positive direction now.
1: Matthew says whether or not the dancing raisins are part of the industry's future, he remains optimistic. He has faith in the industry's ability to work this out. Because in Fresno, California raisins has always meant something bigger than a couple of claymation figurines singing I Heard It Through the Grapevine.
4: You know, when you you pick up a box of raisins off the shelf, there's many families behind it. There's a story behind it. But just like families are, you you, you fight like family. They see the best and worst of each other. Uh, But in all, as a family, we have to work together if we want to get anything done, if we really want to uh, move the industry forward in a positive direction.
0: This episode was reported and produced by Sarah Wyman with Julia Press and me, Charlie Herman. Thanks to everyone who left us voicemails and shared their memories of the California raisins in our Facebook group. So many of you remembered that Christmas special. We had the Christmas special on videotape. We probably watched it like three or four times a December between when I was like four and eight.
7: We watched it in
2: our art class when I was in elementary school.
1: And it was all claymation They'd sing Christmas carols and stuff. There were, I think, other characters and things in it as well.
2: They
4: sang We Three Kings with um, also these camels uh, that
0: were all claymation. And it turns out the Dancing Raisins were especially popular with moms.
1: My mother thought they were great, and she collected the figurines. She would always show them to me and talk about them and talk about how cute and clever they were. And I just thought, why in the world is a grown woman so excited about something so ridiculous? Every time that
2: commercial would come on, my mom would sing and dance to that song. We were so embarrassed.
0: If you have more stories to share, call us anytime. Leave a message at 646-768-4777 or email us at btyb at insider.com. We love hearing from you. Bill Moss is our sound engineer. Music is from Audio Network. John DeLore and Casey Holford composed our theme. Our editor is Michaela Bly. Sarah Wyman is our showrunner. Brought to you by is a production of Insider Audio. And and, and we'll keep keep these
4: guys still until they do the hurt it. Hurt it, hurt it
2: and they should pretty much be still once they do their HURT IT, you know, HURT IT like that, very serious like